This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact? You can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. The Talksport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So the only thing left to say is, you in? Order now on the McDonald's app. You can also get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and term supply. See mcdonalds.com. We want to hear from you right now. Call us on 0208 123 1646 or drop us an email. Radio at homestale.net. Homestale Radio. Butterfield into the hat trick. Astonishing. Of all the unlikely heroes. It's Scannell. Ambrose. Hello and welcome to Homestar Radio uh, with me, your host, Chris Hambling. With me today, we've got Ben Nagel. Hi, Ben. Hello. And uh, yeah, we'll, we'll come and talk to you again in a second, but we've also got uh, Albert. Hello, Albert. All right. Yeah, yeah, I'm good. Uh, ben, you were eating a cereal bar. Would you like to tell us about that? That's yeah. interesting, wasn't it? Very nice, yeah. I just yeah. finished it, so I thought I'd get out of the way before the show started so I can concentrate yeah. fully on, on Yeah, 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 it's very good here, very professional. Albert, were you yeah. any, eating any kind of cereal before the show? No, I boshed some soup, though. Good, good work there. Boshed, you eat it, he boshed it. Um, anyway, that's, that's quite enough distracting myself while I try and click on the right document uh, so I know what I was actually really going to say. La, 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 feeling again. more about the soup? Yeah, I mean, what kind of soup was it? Chicken. Don't tell us, don't tell us about the soup. Oh. Uh, obviously, we've had uh, an interesting seven days, and that's what we're going to go through today, ladies and gentlemen. We're going to um, talk about what happened up at Bristol, which uh, made a few people a little angry on the message boards. And then we're going to talk about what happened uh, yesterday at Sellers Park, which made a lot of people a lot happier. Uh, we're also going to sort of pick a few little topics from both the Hull and the BBS that have been keeping people talking in the last seven days. And I dare say we'll have a little chat about the uh, game next week coming up against West Ham, which will be a big test for us. But uh, before we go any further, if you want to get in contact with us today, you can do so. Uh, you can give us a ring on 0208-123-1646. Calls charged at your local rate and we'll come out with your bundle. You may have to try a few times because it relies on me spotting that someone's phoning in. So just, um, You can join some strange people in the uh, homesdale.net chat room, wholeradio.net forward slash chat. Uh, you can message us on Twitter, twitter.com forward slash wholeradio, or you can message us on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash wholeradio. 
And finally, you can email us, radio at homestale.net. Got a few bits and pieces in already from people. Thanks for those. And, uh, and we'll get to those fairly shortly. Oh, take a bit of a breath there. Uh, the first sort of topic we, we sort of had, a, well, I say we, I picked from the uh, message boards. It's about some good news uh, earlier on in, in the week regarding uh, a young player, Reese Alassani, um, who's been targeted by some, some top clubs and Celtic. And uh, <laughs> and uh, has has pleasingly has agreed a, a deal with us to, um, to turn professional on his seventeenth birthday. Uh, we I read that it was the highest um, deal we've ever offered uh, in terms of an academy contract. So uh, a few things sort of came out of that. One that was the, the story that um, an employee, ex-employee of Crystal Palace, allegedly tapped up Reese, and um, I think it was revealed in one of the papers to apparently be David Moss and. Since he was, who's the old academy director, and since then, Reese has, has said on Twitter that that wasn't the case, and he advised him to stay at Palace. So, but whatever the ins and outs of it, Reese has um, has signed for us, and and he's pretty much the next highly rated youngster on the production. Guys, have you heard much about him, Ben? Mm, yeah, obviously, I'm I'm not very down with the the whole academy thing. I know you go to a lot of games, but from from what we've seen in the last few weeks with Alassani and then um, Chambers and Apaya joining, it seems that the youngsters are. I'll come into Palace and obviously we've got a great academy and, and it's looking very good for the future. With regards to the David Moss thing, I think it's all it's all paper talk. There'll be a lot of speculation, a lot of rumours and, and falsities in, in the national newspapers and apparently this, this is one of them, as as Alassani said on Twitter, that, that David Moss didn't do that. So obviously we probably won't find out any more about that in time. But yeah, very good signing, I think. No, and obviously yeah, we know... Tapping up goes on all the time. He, he's one of those yeah. who's been away on international duty a lot. I, I don't know if you ever, you saw the goal he scored for England under 16s. I didn't. Um, that was an absolutely spectacular strike, sort of from well outside the area. Pretty, pretty significant angle. He's a really good little player, you know, very, very good technical player. He, he's not particularly big or anything like that, but he's obviously been moved up a couple of years. Um, and he's scored, what, four goals this season as well? <laughs> so. Excuse me. He has indeed, yeah. Can I yeah, ask scored, scored he plays? Um, that's it's a good question. I know I know he's he's played out quite a lot on the on the left, but England sort of played him in a central midfield role. Um, it's hard to say, and I think recently for the under 18s he's been playing in behind the striker, which seems to be quite a good little position for him. But we've we've got a few youngsters who come through in that sort of position, really. Calder uh, Silva, obviously now up with the first team, is, is another one who, who sort of sits in that little hole behind the behind the front man. So. I don't, I don't, I don't know quite. I couldn't tell you really what his best position is. He's not. So he seems pretty quick when he gets motoring, but and he's got very quick feet. But he's he's got quite a languid style. It's difficult to sort of know who to compare him to. Really, he looks a pretty unique player. But you, you hear, listen to Gary Issett talking about him, and um, he's he's full of praise. He's, you know, he's suggesting that obviously the last player who moved up the same rate that that Alassani has was Victor Moses, and he still rates Moses as the, the best player he's ever worked with. So. I'm going to put it um, out there as well. I think Alessandro's got better hair than Moses. <laughs> yeah, someone was saying he looks like all those little annoying kids you play online at FIFA. So <laughs> I don't know if, well, obviously the FIFA players out there will know what um, what we mean. But um, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I I think the future's big for him, and um, certainly that the sort of whispers coming out of the club were that we were going to lose him um, because because you know Pete agents and other people had got involved. And the sort of general thoughts were that we would struggle to keep him. But once again, I think the, the success of our current academy lads is probably the, the key thing, really. Um, and again, I think 
um, Gary Issac made it clear that, that Dougie Friedman actually, you know, went and spoke to his his parents and spoke to the player himself. And when you've got a first team manager who's putting himself out to do that, you know, it's got to be a huge influence as well. You know, you think you're 16 years old and you know the first team boss is coming and saying that this we're going to give you a chance. This is the place where you're going to play your football and, and start your career. Um, you only have to look at Wilf Zaha, Sean Scannell, and well, everyone, <laughs> Klein, people who've gone on, Ashley Paul Robinson, John Bostock. <laughs> uh, <laughs> see Bostock's con- contribution for Sheffield Wednesday this week. Uh, to give, a, give away a penalty uh, if you go if you. Listen, if you're feeling bored and you're not quite laughed out at Brighton's 6-1 defeat to Liverpool, which we'll get to in a minute, uh, if you want to go on to any of the Sheffield Wednesday message boards and just have a quick look up for how the, what they feel about John Bostock. It's um, it's not very Christian, is it? It's not, no. How the, how the mighty have fallen, I tell you. Um, I've, well, they, they, they think he thinks he's too good for them, and I think that's been a criticism levelled at him for some time now. Um Discuss is he's just walking advert for staying at Palace and learning your trade. He really is. He's done us a lot of favours in, in many ways. It's sad though. It is sad to see a, a player who was who was a significant talent struggle to struggle you know, he's just not played any football. Someone I think it was on the BBS, someone put the games played by by Bostock, by Scannell, by Zaha, by Klein and I think Bostock tote was about 30 games and all the others, I think Zahar's the least, but in three seasons he's played about 80 games, so you just think it's so obvious to you know to everyone looking back and maybe you can say there's a bit of hindsight there, but when, but you know, what what a waste what a waste, but anyway I've become distracted we were talking about Reece Alassani and, and, and what a great thing it is that, that such a highly rated player uh, has agreed to sign with us so um I think that's the thing there, really. Um, so, and the next the next topic we wanted to pick up really was, and talking of highly rated, was someone asked the question after the Bristol City game, which we'll go into in a minute. Why is Dougie Freeman so highly rated? And we've had about twelve pages of, of stuff there. Um, I just want to ask that question to you guys, Albert. First, why is Dougie so highly rated? Well, it's a bit of a sort of a, a contrary question, really, because you sort of look at the message board and there's a fair few people knocking him, so. You know, is he that highly rated on the whole? <coughs> Excuse me. I think I think a lot. I think a lot of people were were really suggesting that. I think he was being linked with Leeds and Wolves at the time, and and the, the kind of the the angle was how come he's being linked with these jobs when and there is so much, so many complaints about him. Mm. So I, I yeah, he's promi- You know, he's, he's very promising. You know, like the t- the team that. Dougie Freeman puts out is very, you know, sums him up. It's it's, it's a work in progress. He's, you know, he's he could go on to great things. You know, he might not, but mm. you know, he's young and um, he's certainly not doing a bad job. No, I, I, I mean, I well, obviously, my opinion is probably pretty clear. I, I'm, I can't believe how well he's done, frankly. Um, just to sort of pick up on a message from from Dweeb, which I think it was from the chat room. Uh, he said that he doesn't feel sad about Bostock. He's made his choice, and I know that's that's the way a lot of people feel on that particular subject. Um, I say it's a tough one for me because, well, yeah, you know, well, we won't go into it. We're we're talking Dougie, but I'll just say obviously he's not made he's not made any attempt to atone for the comments that he made when he left. So it is it's very much hard to um, to have too much sympathy. But at the end of the day, it's a, it's a kid who's ruined what is um what was a hugely promising career so don't know can't can't help but feel just a little bit sorry but anyway so i mean yeah what i was what i was saying about dougie was um 
I think he's done with the resources he's been given for it to be your first. It's his first job in management. It's he, his advantage really is that obviously the fans already love him. Uh, he knows the you know the place inside out. But to to be achieving the results with the, with the resources he's got, I think is is pretty spectacular in my view. And that's why I think he's being linked in the press because the people, when the press are linking a manager, they're not emotionally involved in in you know how a, whether a game's boring or not. You know they look at the clinical statistics of a team that was struggling and, and you know second favourites for relegation this season got into the semi-finals of the Carling Cup and is is definitely not going to go down and is and is every now and then producing some pretty impressive performances. So that's that's where I think that came from. Um, I don't know anything to add on that, Ben. Mm, I think the supporters are very, very optimistic every season. They want, a, you know, a playoff finish or a, a top six, seven finish, and and we can't give it to them every year. You know, we've said time and time again. Dougie said time and time again that it is a work in progress. Don't expect us to be to be right up the top of the table in you know his first couple of seasons of management. It is, you know, it's going to take time, but we will get there. I think in in the next yeah. sort of couple of seasons, I think we'll be up there. But I don't. I think it's too early as well for us to go up. I don't think we're ready. If we went up. Then we'd have a very difficult season next season. I think, to be honest, we'd come straight back down. So oh, we need yeah. to keep strengthening the side, and and then when the time's right, maybe we'll push for the playoffs. Absolutely. I think what a, what a lot of well, not a lot of people, what a fair few people I've I've read on both boards really have picked up on is that having the manager we've got, the backroom team we've got, and the owners that we've got, it feels it feels good. It feels that it, it almost feels like it can't go wrong. It's a really dangerous statement to make, so I'll take it back. But you know what I mean. <laughs> it, it feels like you know everyone's going to be pulling in the right direction because everyone wants the club to progress long term. There's no short termism in within the club. It's you know there is some short termism from the fans certainly who want money thrown at things and think we're wasting a chance and and think we should be immediately attacking teams and all this sort of stuff. There's a bit of short-termism in that, although some very good points in that as well. Uh, but, yeah, certainly I think, I think I, I mean, I can't feel anything but positive about Dougie. So why those threads cropped up with the regularity they did on both boards just after the, the Bristol City game, we know it was a disappointing um, way to, to, to throw away a game, and, and we'll talk about that shortly. But at the end of the day, you can't... If, if you can't take a minute and not react in quite as it's just you know it's just hysteria really and, I, and well, that's that's why I picked it as a topic I was, have you noticed that it's never um, it's never the team that gets a, a bashing you know it's always it's always free, the, the, all those posts and all those topics that start it's always pins it on Dougie Freeman you know it's not Dougie Freeman's fault that you know the, the, the team have conceded two late goals yeah. you know you, you can argue about I mean I wasn't at the game but I'm quite sure it was a bit of the old we were pressed back and maybe that gets looked upon as if we were choosing to sit back but if yeah. you haven't got the ball what, you know, well, what it, else can you do it's, so, it's absolutely right Albert yeah you, go. you know the, the players have to shoulder some responsibility as well and that, that always seems to get overlooked for me on the on the board it's always you know why is Friedman doing this and doing that and you know, he sends them out you know it's, he can't control um, yeah, I, I think, well, it's, there's a lot of truth in what you say. Um, I know, obviously, there are players within the team who are, are the regular scapegoats as well. And obviously, if we get a bad result and Andrew's been anywhere near the um, anywhere near the lineup, he's immediately responsible for it. So there's a bit of that. But you're right, it does. And I, and I suppose in a lot of ways, the, the manager would probably prefer to be the one who gets the stick because, you know, that way it takes the pressure off the players. But 
I, I think we, we'll, it's definitely one of the areas I want to talk about again in, in the Bristol City review in a minute, and uh, with regards to whether we're sitting back or whether we're being pushed back, because it's an endless debate. And there's an, and I saw someone ask the question on Homesdale earlier, and the first thing they said, I wasn't at the game, but at any point during the Watford match, did we sit back and try and defend the lead? And the answer to that question is, when they had the ball and were attacking us, we tried to defend our lead, because that's, that's what happens in a football match. Uh, it just is. I just think it's an amazing question. I think a lot of people are leading themselves into, into sort of like the the, the hysteria going up around our, our style. There's no denying that we we try and hit teams on the break, and there's no denying that when we're playing against opposition that are superior to us, that we will actually hold back quite considerably and and concentrate mainly on not conceding a goal because that's where we feel we've got the best chance of winning a match. But we do try and win every single game. Mm. Um, before we move on to talk about the Brighton match, there's a load of stuff coming from Nick. Uh, one of the questions is, why isn't uh, Lee Hills listening? He's watching Got to Dance. That's very disappointing. Very, very, very disappointing indeed. <clears throat> from the boards, uh, it says B. Dave. I'm not sure who that is. He says, my question is this. Do you think Dougie's the sort of manager CPFC 2010 were actually looking for? When I think about it, we had George Burley in first. Someone so past crazy our team forgot how to tackle. And our next number one target was Eddie Howe, who we all know likes to play beautiful football. CPFC 2010 are fans like you and I, so we're always going to try and bring the entertainment factor to the pitch. I'm sure Dougie Friedman would have discussed it with the board, the tactics he's preparing to install, but it makes me wonder, was Dougie Friedman the type of manager that CPFC 2010 were looking for? That's a fantastic question. And I see you've said afterwards, Ben, did I want you to read that? That would have been good, but instead of that, can you answer it? <laughs> oh, that's the more difficult part. I was hoping I'd get out doing that. Um... <laughs> To be honest, yeah, obviously we did look at Eddie Howe, but we don't know fully how how much, you know, who who the the board had looked at, who they wanted the most, etc. I think they were more than happy with Dougie Freeman. They that hasn't, you know, they haven't had any problems. They they're fully behind him, mm-hmm. and I think they'll be happy with the tactics that that he's you know giving the team at the moment. Well, I think I think Dave's been. It's a really good point he makes. Actually, it's yeah, yeah. it's it's not something that I've considered in any detail, but I think he's. He's certainly talking along the lines on. I was thinking when when we got Burley in, and this is why I'm a little sorry for Burley in some ways. It was clearly that he had it wasn't. I don't know how it was from how much it was from him and how much it was from the board, but it was clearly that he had this idea that what he had to produce was a fluid passing style that entertained people. Uh, and and I mean, Dougie subsequently said that we, you know, that he, George Burley's problem was he tried to change too much too quickly. Now. Uh, whether or not that was driven by uh, in the in the next appointment after Burley, or whether or not the lesson was learnt before we put, before we actually ended up with Dougie, certainly Eddie Howe was the primary target. Um, I don't think there's any sense in denying that. But at some point during that process, uh, Dougie Friedman convinced the the board that he was the man to take us forward, and I think that's absolutely the right decision. I just want to quickly remind Nick that he needs to get his cake out of the oven. Nick, you need to get your cake out the oven. Um, Thank you. We, <laughs> no worries. Just before we move on. Just a small bit for me. Um, <laughs> I don't know if you can have cake over Skype. If you can, I'm having it. Um, Albert, you got anything to add on that particular subject to whether Dougie was the type of manager that we were looking for or just a kind of convenience? Any answer I've got would be wild speculation, so let's move on. All right, nice one. <laughs> <laughs> just yes, to... no, I think, yeah, I think he was, you know, he... He he knows the club inside out, and I'd like to think that they were pleasantly surprised that you know what his visions were for the club, and and you know he obviously convinced them. So um, 
that's good enough for me, I think. Okay, nice one, mate. So I've just noticed another message coming, but that's for later on uh, when we talk about Watford. Okay, um, well, before we before we get straight into the reviews, the last little bits and pieces are uh, Liverpool 6, Brighton 1. Uh, I watched the game... Um, I don't have ESPN. I was able to... On the internet. Cheers, Steffi. Um, it was... I mean, certainly the last 15 to 20 minutes, I haven't laughed so much in ages. It was absolutely fantastic. Uh, for those of you that didn't see it or know anything about it, uh, Brighton managed to score uh, three own goals, which is pretty... I've got a fact about that, Chris. Oh, uh, off you go, Ben. Yeah, Brighton were the uh, first team in 131 years to score three own goals in an FA Cup game. <laughs> well, that's a lovely record for them. <laughs> Who was it before? <laughs> I don't think there was one before. Oh, is that the entire length of the competition? <laughs> yeah, that's good work. Uh, Bridcut got two of those. I mean, <laughs> I know we were having a laugh on Twitter, and uh, one of the guys on there was saying he voted for Bridcut for man of the match for his scoring for scoring two goals, which was a bit cruel, uh, given that they were in the wrong end. But of, of the own goals, Lewis Dunk, my word, look it up on YouTube. Not perhaps not immediately because you're listening to this fine show, but. Uh, certainly it's a great first touch. <laughs> it's it's something spectacular. We've seen a lot over the years, including the commentary at the start of our show refers to uh, Tony Popovich's fantastic own goal against was it Portsmouth or Middlesbrough? I forget someone anyway. Portsmouth, I think. Yeah, but I mean that was I mean that's a that was a beautiful back in into the top corner. But but you know at least Popovich had a reason to try and cut across out. Lewis Dunk didn't really have a reason to wonderfully control on his chest and then knee the ball into his own net <laughs> I think he saw the headlines <laughs> he did yeah goal at Anfield he just couldn't help himself um, in front of the cop wasn't it it was in front of the cop <laughs> every boy's dream oh, slam dunk headline tomorrow I saw that on Twitter every slam alleged dunk. racist dream <laughs> steady on oh you did say alleged didn't you I did say alleged okay, good he, was work. Found guilty. he was found guilty though wasn't he? he he was found guilty of yeah Suarez he missed a penalty otherwise it could have been 7-1 but anyway, that was. Uh, I mean, we've had a great weekend of it with the result against Watford. But I mean, that's the icing on the cake. Was was I actually got sick of typing in your face, Brighton on Twitter? It, was just, it actually got boring. I'm embarrassed for them, but you know, it was it was superb. And and they don't learn. They never learn. They get cocky off before every game. We've shoved it back in their faces at the Amex. It still hasn't stopped them. They got cocky before this one and. Well, considering half of their uh, way support probably supports Liverpool anyway, they probably aren't that disappointed. Um, but there we are, poor old Brian. So let's uh, let's move on. Let's talk about Bristol City away. Um, the result obviously was two all. Uh, sort of line up before we start was the same line up we played against Watford, um, and the big sort of talking point pre-game was uh, Easter retaining his position in the attack ahead of Glenn Murray. Uh, I think I've heard subsequently that Glenn Murray is carrying some kind of a knock. I um, don't know what the exact details of that are. But um, Easter, Easter had a good game up there and probably justified that. So, I mean, in terms of balance of play, we, we were controlling the first half. Um, Bristol City looked poor, and I think this is where a lot of the frustration later on came from, really. Uh, and un- until the moment we scored, when it was an absolutely great, great strike from Wilf, I hope hopefully you've all seen it, but it really is sort of... That's exactly the sort of thing he should be doing on a more regular basis, because... He's got that ability. Um, but as soon as we scored, they, they rallied, as you would expect from the, the you know, team that's there at home. They've got the fans screaming at them to, to have a go at us. Uh, we defended really, really well at that point. And then 
I think after probably about, hang on a second, <laughs> I'm getting that thing. Do you remember the first show where I, uh, where I had to do the producing? My computer kept trying to restart. Well, that's doing what's that again, is it? Yeah, it's doing that again. Yep. So if I don't catch it each time, at some point the show will just turn off completely as my computer shuts down. So, um, yeah, yeah. So apologies if that happens. Anyway, so I mean, yeah. So they they started coming straight back at us, and, and it took us a fair while to get a foothold back in the game. And uh, but what, but we did do, and, and we we repelled their attacks, and we started getting a bit more possession and building up, and and then. Yeah, two 0 when we got we got a, a penalty in the second half, um, and it was a it was a blatant penalty. It was one of the strangest ones I've seen. Brilliant challenge, wasn't it? Yeah, <laughs> it was a brilliant challenge. Now, obviously, Murray had given him a bit. Uh, who'd come off the bench, obviously, had given him a bit of a hard time, sort of trying to trying to get the bouncing ball and what have you. But I think the ball had long gone um, when he when he got shut, pulled down, and referee wasn't going to give it, but the linesman flagged and. No, Ambrose tucks it away and everything's looking rosy. But as soon as that penalty went in, uh, Bristol City just threw caution to the wind. Um, and you've got to respond. Uh, and this is where the, the debate comes, really. Uh, just to sort of summarise the goals, it was a direct free kick from uh, Pittman. Uh, I was really surprised when it went in. It, it's, I don't know whether he curled it around the wall or it went through the wall or what, but it went to the bottom corner. And I kind of imagined that... Speroni would have either got would have got across to it. It's a strange, strange one. It didn't feel right that it went in. It looked too slow and and, and poorly directed. Uh, but obviously that gives the impetus to them. Um, and when we did, we were breaking uh, very very well, and there was a couple of chances that, that Zaha should have done better with. There were a couple of balls across the area that no one got the end on. Got the end on. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> no one got their end in. I think my mind's on something else. Um, <clears throat> no one got on the end of <laughs> and um, um, but um no seriously I, I i think we were very very unlucky not to score on the break unlucky in some ways wasteful in other ways i guess um i i just think it was such a shame we couldn't have just picked off one of those goals because they would have they would have absolutely crumbled um but as it, as it turned out, we didn't. We didn't. We didn't get a goal, and they kept the pressure on, and the board went up. At five minutes of injury time, we were at Ashton Gate. We all knew what was coming. I think it's four. I think some I heard some Bristol City fans say it was four four times in a row at Ashton Gate that they've scored late in the game to to deny I'm us. Lee Trundle didn't come running out of yeah. nowhere and bang one in. <laughs> it would. It was. It would have been. It would have been apt. Um, I just, I, you know, you, you saw it was coming, and and it was hard to admit that they, pr- the way they played in that last sort of twenty minutes or so, it was hard to admit that they probably deserved that. Um, we were the better side, but when but when a team just absolutely throws caution to the wind and steamrollers you, you got you got to hold your hands up, and it happened up at Blackpool as well. Um, and it's it's where we have a weakness. And this is where we get into the date. Just before we do, um, Nick has asked me to re-advertise the chat room, wholeradio.net forward slash chat. Apparently there's a massive seven people in there, which um, I don't know if there's anyone uh, from the authorities listening, but that's seven people who should really be in some sort of an institution, if you want to round them all up in one go. But, um, <clears throat> and uh, oh, apparently it's Vanessa's birthday, so happy birthday, Vanessa. Um, happy birthday, Vanessa. Happy yeah. birthday, Vanessa. Happy birthday, Vanessa. One, a few little questions, really. Obviously, I was there, so it's no real sense in asking me the 
question so you guys can probably uh ask so the question really uh i don't know if you're looking in the right place ben are you <laughs> our document sorry i'm a bit confused my, my internet cut out then oh well forget it i'll ask myself the damn question the question is did we drop back or were we pushed back okay wait wait um okay did we drop back or were we pushed back chris were we pushed back? So uh, that's a good question, guys. I know you, you seem to have thought of it at the same time there. Um, I mean, this is the age-old question, isn't it? Uh, I think from my earlier comments, you'd guess that, that my view is is mainly that we were pushed back. I think if you um, if you watch a game that you're not emotionally invested in, and you watch a game of football, any game you like, any any of the games you'd have watched today, apart from the Brighton one, where there was very little attacking from Brighton, when when you concede a goal against a team of a similar ability. What that team responds, don't they? Yeah, yes. yeah. Was that a fair, fair comment? They'll respond, won't they? They'll they'll change the way they played. They'll look to come and get on to, on level terms with you. That's that's what happens. Sometimes they do it. Sometimes, sometimes the game sort of dies a death, and sometimes the other team goes on to win, you know, more comfortably because of the additional space and whatever. That's what happens in every single game up and down the country every single week. There's, like I said before, there's no denying that we do try and play a, a counter-attack, uh, and particularly after we score. But I just, I, I get really frustrated that people are so down on, on what has been a tactic that has, has got us where we've got this season. Uh, I mean, Ben, you've, you've seen a lot of the games this season. Uh, does it frustrate you at any, any point when we are, should we say, dropping back? Well, I think you can compare the Bristol City and the Watford games quite quite nicely because obviously the Bristol City game we're two 0 up and then they pushed us pushed us back and we, we can see that the goals were against Watford. You know, we, we kept playing the way we were playing and, and Watford admittedly Watford were awful but you know, we, we pushed on and we got another couple of goals. So I think it all definitely depends on, on the opponents to be honest, because when you're playing a team like Bristol City who are probably a little bit better than Watford they're they're going to push forward and they're going to try and score. So I think it's it's difficult. You can't you can't not be pushed back in that scenario. Like you said, it happens every week. So it's just mm. unlucky. You know, the original feeling was that you know, Mario Mario Balotelli like why always me kind of kind of thinking. But yeah, yeah it's I, just I unlucky. Yeah, yeah. I think that's it's fair. I mean, I don't know. It's difficult for me because I can see the po- I can see that there is a point to be made, uh, and, and that point is that. If you invite pressure, inevitably, at some point in some game, it's going to tell. Uh, and if you invite pressure in every single game, uh, of course, people are going to get disappointed if, if you don't win. And we hadn't won this calendar year in the league uh, until until Saturday. So th- there's a point to be made there. But, I mean, whether or not it's, it's to the level that we've seen it stressed. I think that's probably what the problem is. The, the problem is that it's being stressed in a kind of almost, um, in a, in a massively over-the-top way, in my opinion. Uh, I, I don't think it's a controversial point of view to say that, but but certainly the numbers of people getting getting themselves worked up, even almost without seeing a ball kicked, um, which is which has been getting to me slightly, I'll admit. But look, it was disappointing, all right? We, we had f- I don't know where the five minutes of injury time come from, Um their their fans celebrated like they'd won the World Cup, and I tell you, if you're still celebrating celebrating a draw at home against a team that hadn't won in the league that year, um, if you're celebrating a draw like that, then then you're you're going to go down. And I think Portsmouth's <laughs> um, sort of minus ten points is uh, is probably 
a, a massive plus point to them. Um, so, I mean, look, we've, we finally did. Everyone was complaining we hadn't scored more than one goal for some time. Um, we scored two and, and conceded two, Albert. Do you think there's a correlation there? Probably, yeah. <laughs> Probably, yeah. Yeah. Oh, I, was, I was hoping your answer would have been a lot longer. No, it's the, the, the Bristol result. I mean, you know, it's disappointing. Thrown away a two-goal lead is always disappointing. But, you know, if you'd have said to me before the game, you're going to come away with a point... I think, you know, not 90% of us would have, you know, settled for that. Yeah, I think in some ways. No, I, I did hear would people, you? No, no, not really. No. It's, oh, okay. I'm, <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't, no. Um, I honestly thought I thought that was a game that was there for the taking. And, and when we went two up, I thought my, um, my, my thoughts on it had been correct. And I, I don't know. I, I think I haven't been up there that much. Well, it's my first visit to Ashton Gate, actually, but... And I know people have been up there more often than me were actually happy to come away with a point because because of what happens to us up there on a regular basis. So I don't know, it, it swings and roundabouts. But I mean, I'm not going to dwell too much long on this. But what I will say is, I, I think I think when you deserve a result, which is what we did, we deserved a win. Uh, it's very very hard to take um, when that do- when when that doesn't happen in the manner that it did. Um, so. Perhaps you're, perhaps you're right in saying without a ball being kicked would take a point kind of thing. But I think when you see the way the game panned out and how close we were to having three points, and you look at the league now and the difference that would have made to us being a bit more in touch at the right end, then that itself breeds unrealistic expectations and so on and so forth. So it's very, very tough stuff, really. Um, I've just noticed that We've got a tweet in from Furhad saying, wake up, Ben. Um, but I think that relates to us being cutting out. I think the whole show cut out for a period just a minute ago. So apologies for that. It's the highlight so far, wasn't it? <laughs> I think it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so anyway, look, let's not dwell on Bristol City because it was, um, we've got a much, much better subject to talk about in any, any second now, really. And um, uh, what I will, just a, sort of few final thoughts. Sahar was excellent against Bristol City. He carried that on against Watford. Uh, for them, Albert Adoma was, well, he was out of this world. Uh, he do, he, they were they were bemoaning his lack of end product, and I felt a bit sorry for him in, in, in that sense, really, because it, he suffers in a lot like our um, like our lads sort of suffer sometimes from a bit of a lack of movement around, and that's that's what's improved with us of late. And you saw Albert Adoma walk past three or four defenders, which was getting quite frustrating to see uh look up put his head up and then there's no one there for him to pass to so we were we were lucky in some ways i mean they they essentially looked like a one-man team to me um i think he they got him from barnet and i know we were certainly linked with him I'm, honestly i tell you with him on one wing and zaha on the other we'd have been tearing this league up because he, he looked a real player to me but there we are that's just my opinion um let's say i was probably a little bit <laughs> A little bit put off by their fans, and apparently they're not usually very nice up there. And um, I don't have a lot of love for Bristol City as a football club. And uh, I say they really did enjoy a two-two win, uh, two-two win, two-two draw. Uh, but there we are. Um, so yeah, got back from that, and uh, there's a lot of disappointed people on the message boards, and a lot of uh, flack being flung in Dougie's direction, as we've already discussed. Flack being flung, I like that. Yeah, a bit of alliteration there. Not bad at all, was it? You flack flinger. <laughs> I had to really think about that. Yeah, see, you've got to be really careful how <laughs> you say some of these things. Um, but we've got a much happier subject to talk about now. And, and pleasingly, both of you were at the game as well, weren't you? You. Yep. 
Was. Yes. Yeah, I know you um you text me some abuse during it, Albert. Um <laughs> where where are you situated? You're a row nineteen block what? Block E, row nineteen. Oh. Where my season ticket is, just told everybody now, so yeah. come say hi. <laughs> come say hi. Yeah. And uh, Ben, you were next to me, weren't yeah. you? Yeah. Block C row twelve. Block C row twelve, seat thirty four you are, aren't you? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, come say hi. <laughs> come say hi. Well, bring him a coat because he hasn't got one. Yeah, uh, please do that. Anyone who's following up? Following so onesie not warm enough. <laughs> no, don't, let's not talk about Ben. <laughs> Disturbs me in so so many ways. Um, Get me started. All right. Well, look, um, Ben, do you want to give us some uh, some thoughts on how the game went? I'm just going to I'll spring that on you. Um, yeah. Yeah. I thought I thought to be honest, we've we've played better than that and lost before. I think Watford were were awful, the worst team I've seen at, at Sellers Park in a long time. I think their goalkeeping didn't help. I think, uh, well, his name is actually just completely gone from my mind, which is slightly <laughs> Scott Loach. Scott Loach, thank you. Scott Loach is, I, I would say, the worst, if not the second worst. The second worst being Frankie Fielding that we've seen at Sellers Park, and a lot of the goals, probably three of them were, were his fault, I'd say. But it was a good all-round team performance. The last kind of twenty minutes were fantastic from from a Palace point of view. Just pretty much taking the mick out of them. You know, even KG was was putting it through people's legs. Mm. But a very very good team performance. I think we all, everyone played well. There wasn't any any players that were letting the team down at all. Um, yeah, very good performance. Anything you want to add to that, Albert? It's quite a good sum- summary, actually. Uh, there was class performances all across the pitch, really, wasn't there? It was hard to pick, um, a, you know, one standout. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, I mean, obviously, the, the the sort of headline maker, I suppose, was Chris Martin um, for the two goals. Uh, probably the unsung hero would be Jermaine Easter, although he's. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Should have been yeah, recognized quite, quite recognized on the on the message boards though that, that he did pretty well. Um yeah, I mean, I think, I think, yeah, certainly summed up pretty well there, lads. I mean, in terms of of any kind of weakness, I think that our weak spell in the game was the the, the first sort of uh, ten to fifteen minutes. It looked a very even even match. And when you go back to thinking about the first goal, it, it was quite fortunate the way it deflected. No, you spotted that at the time, Ben. 
Um, they actually sort of found its way through to Easter on the right hand side, and he drilled in that cross. Again, finds its way to Zahar on the on the far side, and Loach should have done a lot better with it. And you just think, well, f- you know, for the there's a bit of luck there. It's gone our way, um, and and that's the thing that set up a four 0 win. And that's the sometimes that sort of thing is the difference. You know, if that maybe that first goal doesn't go in, and you think, you know, what the hell was could end could end up could end up with a with a boring nil nil, but we didn't. Um, I'm going to read out uh, an email from Bambi. He's a regular contributor. <laughs> uh, I, uh, oh yeah, he, he might be called Bambi. His email address also comes up as Gunga Din. I don't know what to say really, but uh, I think there's a lot of uh, similar themes here. But I was going to get through it. It uh, says uh, Chris and Co. Stations. Well, well, well. We play occasion score four. I've seen us play better and lose. Middlesbrough at home springs to mind. Actually, yeah. Uh, the difference was Ambrosia's creamy set-piece deliveries, I feel. <laughs> Took me back to like, the couple of days when we were known for our set-piece prodigiousness. Um, absolutely, yeah. Not actually a word, though, that. But we'll, um, well, I don't know. It, let's, let's stick this. Yeah, it seems a word to me. It's, it's not as good as flat flinger, is it? It's no, not, it's no. You have to get up pretty that. early. Yeah. Um, he says, the last 20 minutes were a joy to watch. I absolutely stunning the last 20 minutes were um lots of nifty flicks and great movement nice that scandal carried on where wilfie boy left off i wasn't sure about murray though uh seemed a bit off the frankie Boyle to me i uh, hope we get to sign Coldplay boy at the end of the season he's becoming a great asset to the squad two well take goals one of our better loan signings of late i was a bit worried about patrick at the back oh paddy yep my brain. <laughs> uh, he did seem to be having a good tug on the Watford players when defending. Lucky the ref didn't spot any of them. Actually, thinking about it, was it the first time this year we didn't sing "You Don't Know What You're Doing" to the ref? Yeah. Um, he was fairly in. Well, I don't know. I don't really. Different, really. Didn't make any yeah. massive decisions, did he? I can hear some sort of rumbling sound that usually means Albert's internet has ruined <laughs> itself. Um, I don't know if he was trying to speak. Albert, you might want to reset and stuff, and we'll add you back in a second. Um, <clears throat> when I say Albert reset, I do mean him, not his computer. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so, I mean, yeah, uh, the, I, didn't, I can't really recall much about the ref, and I think you, you probably never do when you're... Um, That's a good thing, I think, yeah, definitely. Yeah, when you, certainly when you win the game. I don't know if the Watford fans feel any different, but... Um, yeah, I didn't really care to look. Uh, it says, uh, now we're near a safety. Hopefully we'll see a bit more adventurous going forward, um, especially now that Moxie is fit again. The only thing that stopped him playing yesterday was a bug. Uh, good to see him and pass steaming down the left again. What with Johnny Williams due back in four or so weeks. Playoffs? Nah, not this year. Love Bambi. Well, there's a, there's a lot in there, obviously. Um, again, similar sort of themes, but I think the the key thing to me is, is that last... Uh, the last twenty minutes that you were talking about as well, Ben. I mean, we were we were sort of shaking our head watching that. It was, <laughs> I, I don't. It's, 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 yeah, it was. It's like watching a, a, another team. Certainly. Um, just going to add Albert back to our conversation. Um, I just think. I mean, it's confidence for me. It, it makes such a huge, huge difference. Uh, and I think that's really, in, in some ways, it's it's a much bigger factor than any of the stuff that we've all been overanalyzing. You know, again and again, it's. Just having that belief to just go and, in fact, I mean, we were taking the Mickey by the end, weren't we? I mean, that's like you said, KG did a, did a Zaha trick. You got, <laughs> you got Scannell absolutely seemed to love every second of being on the pitch. It was playing superbly, uh, and, and they just, they didn't really have an answer to some of that one touch football. It was, it's like you know we're putting 
ending passes together and actually ending with a chance. I mean, Garvin should have put his foot through the ball at one stage and and just, you know, ended up sort of getting caught between shooting and passing, just knocking it out of play. But if that had gone in, that would have been our goal of the season, even ahead of Amber. It was yeah. Oh, you're back. Fantastic. Yes. Um, I mean, yeah, I mean, obviously, have you got any comments on that last 20 minutes or so, Albert? Uh, it was it was beautiful to watch. I've got yeah that Garvin chance came at the sort of a fantastic ten passing move and um, yeah it was gutting when they didn't go in. But it was you know it was brilliant and you know we're not going to play like that for ninety minutes every week. But no, it's certainly nice to see it every now and then. Yeah, it certainly is. Um, and you, you do wonder, and this is where people say, you know, this is the sort of thing we're capable of. And a lot of people who have been critical of gifts have sort of used that and said, look, that's why we're angry. You know, we're angry because we're capable of doing that to a team. Well, again, I would, I would bring, bring the opposition into account. Uh, a demoralised opposition that are 4 0 down are a lot easier to take the piss out of than, you know, a, a team that are well in the game. So, there's, you know, there's a, there's a bit in that. I, I think it just for me it just shows the the, the value of a bit of confidence. Um, just going to pick up on a little few few comments we've had from uh, one. This one's from um, guy posted the blogs uh, Hopkin looking to curl one. Uh, you can follow him on Twitter at hlto. Uh, very w- what does that stand for? <sighs> How, <laughs> is there any way we can lose you again? <laughs> Uh, but honestly, yeah, he does some very, very good blogs, well worth a read. Uh, he says it was performance full of endeavour, cohesion and killer instinct. Easter, Jedi, Klein and Martin were all superb. Very, very happy. Uh, Lee Ward, uh, also via Twitter, says disappointing to end uh, Tuesday, disappointing end to Tuesday night, but followed up by great team performance yesterday, which resulted in a demolition of Watford. Um, was a good summary. Absolutely yeah, and it was a it was a serious demolition. Um, and uh, Tony Johnson, TJ, has, has asked the question. Uh, there were some fans who were happy that Chris Martin was taken off when he could have bagged a hat trick. Thoughts? Uh, I thought he very much looked unhappy to be taken off the, off the pitch. I don't know about your thoughts on that, Ben. Mm, yeah, same as you, really. He did he didn't look too happy? But you know, two goals, surely two goals is enough. He he did really well, and it was. And it was time to take him off and bring someone else on for it to, you know, give him a chance. Yeah, um, I don't know. It was well, and he took took Wilf off as well. He was also having a great game. But you can cut. Yeah, you can see the sense in it, I suppose. Um, but yeah, fresh you know, legs really. Fresh legs, and the game was won. And we've got a very difficult game next weekend. Um, I mean, Chris, uh, Chris Martin has, has probably well, he certainly surprised me. Has he surprised you? He surprised me at how sort of indifferent he looks early on and then he, he seems to have I mean you know being at the club and gelling obviously helps mm. um, but he's he's surprisingly sort of nifty for you know he's not the he's not the slightest of figures um, but he manages to find a lot of space <laughs> mm. um, and he's got an eye for a, a nice simple pass but very effective when, uh, I say when we when, when we signed him I was kind of I imagined almost a like a, I thought it was like another target man. I don't know why I thought that, but I just thought we'd signed a similar player to to, to Glenn Murray, and I just thought, well, seems a bit odd. And then the player we got, like you say, it was a totally different player than I was expecting. Um, and and he, yeah, he didn't seem massively bothered when he first got here. Uh, but I think I think maybe the bugs got him, not that bug. Um, and of late, he's starting to look a little. 
dare I say, a little Dougie like in being, you know, just being a bit clever with the ball and, and you know, being a goal threat. I think he's starting to look a, a similar sort of player, and perhaps there is definitely, an influence there. Definitely a Dougie Freeman influence, yeah. Like just being with him in training every day, learning from him, you've got you've got to take something from that, haven't you? Yeah, I've got to say he's very he's very similar to Freeman when he's got his back to goal, um, mm. you know, laying it off out wide or you know just short passes and and looking to sort of move on and find the next bit of space. And um, yeah, he's, he's he's impressed me. I've got to say, definitely worth following up in the summer. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Um, we've got a message from uh, Vanessa in the chat room saying that uh, she saw Chris Martin in the players' la- players' lounge after the game. Genuinely nice guy who happily talked to the fans and said he was disappointed about being taken off. Yeah. That's good. You want you want players to be disappointed when they come off the pitch. You want them to pl- want to play every single minute and do as well as they can. And like like we said, as a lone player, you know, and certainly maybe early early on he didn't seem bothered, but he's certainly looking like he's, it, it reminds me of when we signed Paul Stewart. I know we were talking about that a few weeks ago with Nick. Um, and he's well, obviously we're not up that that end of the table, at least not at the moment. But but he's he's just clever. He's just yeah, very, you know, very very impressive and and. He's, he's not really going to get a look in at Norwich, according to their fans. So it's certainly something we might revisit in the summer, and I would not be against that. I would have been early on in his his Palace career, but certainly now I'd be a lot happier. Um, so that was that was one of the, the the main sort of talking points to come out of that game. Um, other talking points, really. Well, firstly, performance of Wilf Zaha. Um, he started to add a little bit more to his game. Um, I don't know if you guys feel the same, but I think he's starting to he's starting to release the ball quicker now. Um, understands his defensive responsibilities um, and he's doing those little tricks you know in a you start thinking don't do a trick down there but he's, he gets away and he takes some pressure off he doesn't run with the ball as much as I kind of think he maybe should in some ways but certainly when he where he was taking on an extra player before now he's got his head up and he's looking to find a pass and I think that's a very very positive sign Ben do you think? Mm, he's developing nicely. I think, you know, give it another couple of seasons, he'll be a fantastic, fantastic player. You know, definitely premiership quality. Um, I think, yeah, the, the greed side of things has gone a lot. Um, he's not, you know, so eager to impress as he was before and he's learned a lot in training, obviously. You can see that from from the performances that he has on the pitch. Every, like, week in, week out, he's improving. And obviously against Bristol, yeah, against Bristol City and against Watford, he's, he's scoring. So that's what we need from him, really. So he's got the he's got the tricks, he's got the passing ability and he's got the goal scoring ability so yeah mm. turn into an all round brilliant player mm, I know Nick's lurking and wanted to join in Nick are you there? yeah hi hello everybody good evening hey that's um, cake Ben <laughs> you were five minutes late never mind um, just listening to Dougie on Palace Radio last night in the press conference was saying how much uh, Wilf's come on how he's maturing as a player and and I think uh, Mille Mile Mille who how do you pronounce Jedinak or Jedinak, um, was saying he's beginning to understand that football is a team game and not somewhere that you come along on a Saturday afternoon to show off and entertain the crowd. Mm. And that, that's why he's getting better. And I've noticed that the last, well, yesterday at least, he, he didn't seem to be as greedy as mm. usual. I think key thing for him yesterday was, you know, we haven't been on the greatest form recently. And if I think if Zaha hasn't beaten a man or two within the first 10 minutes his head can drop and he can get a bit frustrated but I, th- I can't think I can't think of a bit of play but I remember within the first five minutes he'd made someone look a bit, bit silly and mm. that, that was sort of the making of him for that game really so, you know he never looked back and I think that's really key for him um, yeah 
when he, when you see him and he's got a, a smile on his face or he has a little bit of a laugh or something like that, you know he's on his game. Yeah, uh, like you say, he can he can sulk and he, he's starting to cut out the little petulance that he that he had early on. And because you know he's a young lad, you can forgive a bit of petulance. It's not nice being kicked all up and down the pitch all the time. Don't mind him sort of you know responding, but now he's responding in the right way by making people look silly. And I know that the the the, the bit you were referring to, Albert, was it was pretty much his first touch of the game, and he's just sort of spammed past two players. Played a lovely ball into Martin, who who put Easter away, and Easter sort of just just literally went a little bit too wide, or we would have had a, another had a really good chance. But I mean, it is that sort of thing that he's starting to. He's before he was the kind of the guy who would get it in the final third, and he'd have that you know he'd it'd be his final ball that made all the difference. You know, if he missed it, we wouldn't score. If he made it, we'd score. Now, now he's starting link player as well, and and I say that bodes so well for me that that he's. You know, he it means he's he's understanding and he's he's responding to the coach, uh, Nick. Um, it was interesting that we we played the better football after he went off. Um, Scanner was fantastic when he came on, lots of yeah. deft flicks. Um, but we didn't score, but we were playing better. Yeah, um, I think what nailed it for us yesterday is uh, did you mention it in an email earlier about the, the set pieces from Ambrose? He, everyone was nailed on yesterday, and and that was a real difference. I think. Because I've, I've seen us play better and lose. I've heard quite a lot of people say that, but yeah. But and I don't think Watford were inept. I just thought we were good. Yeah, I mean, I I thought from their perspective, they never recovered from conceding that first goal. To to um, you know, they never seemed to be settled after that. There was always, you know, I've seen us do it as well. Sometimes you sort of you don't settle and. Like every other pass is just behind a player or something like that. Just little things, like tiny little things that just stop you getting it. And they didn't really have, I think Forsyth, who we we targeted, um, who played left wing, I think. He's very one paced, and and he was on Klein, and they tried to double up on that side because that's the side that Ambrose has started on. And they'd probably seen what Bristol City did, which was essentially isolate Ambrose with Adoma, and it was you know it was embarrassing seeing. See the player just walk through Ambrose every single time he had the ball, and and I think they tried to do that, but Forsyth just ended up being faced by Nathaniel Klein with no and and, and being one paced. You're just not going to get a thing out of him. Um, and I know he ended up moving all around the pitch just to get away from Klein and trying to have an effect on the game. I think yesterday was the first time that Ambrose looked fully fit. I, I mean, the fact he finished the game was a, a big teller for me, but. Mm. He didn't, he didn't look like he was struggling fitness-wise, which is nice to see. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, I know we we talked a fair few weeks back now about about Darren Ambrose and how he'd finally started to look sharp again. But you're right, he did a did a full ninety, uh, had a proper effect on the game with his set pieces. But um, I mean, so he he had a he had a real bad one defensively up at, at Bristol City, and I think. I think perhaps maybe the, the Ambrose of the start of the season would have would have gone into his shell a bit, but. I think he's confident enough now to to shake that off and to you know and to use what he's good at, and it, we've seen him again. I think I think it's probably a certain thing you're you're thinking of, Albert. Where you know a couple of times he just he knocked the ball in front of him, was went went at a run, and these are things that he wasn't doing before. He just you know he was too busy trying to release the ball as quickly as he could or play a like a Hollywood pass, but he's quite happy to to have a run with it at the moment. Um, sorry, everything seemed to cut out for a second there for me. Uh, everyone's still there? Yes. Can Yay. I just give a shout-out to my unsung hero from yesterday? Of course. Um, just before the game, 
also the, the chap that sits next to me that's not my father um, pointed out down in the first few rows before the game there was a, a slightly elder gentleman who had uh, a bit of a heart trouble before the game um, oh. and, and I think St John's Ambulance looked after him and um, he, st- uh, he apparently he refused to be taken out and stuck, stuck around to watch the game and uh, had his I can't think what it's called the inhaler that you have to sort of relieve a bit of heart condition mm. um, Half time came up the steps and um, had a chat with the old boy that was telling me about it and said, "Yeah, I'm okay. Thanks very much." You know, went up to um, top of the top of the stand. Five minutes later, came back pine chips. <laughs> Legend. Oh, that's the way. That is the way. I mean, dedication. Exactly, and there's, there's no sense in not treating yourself to a beautiful pine chips, even if you've got a heart condition. Oh, that's brilliant. No, exactly, and and you know, being that dedicated that you're man of the match for me. Yeah, man of the match. Clearly, I'm. I'd also heard that there was a, a young lad running up and down the place in front of. Uh, I didn't. Apparently, he was in front of C, but I didn't see that. But it's certainly in front of D block, um, running around waving his shirt above his head and all sorts like a junior kind of HF. But um, he seemed to impress quite a lot of people on both the Hull and the BBS. So well done to him as well. Um, and talking of unsung heroes, a little bit about Jermaine Easter, I think we should uh, do now. Um, he is uh, he is someone who, I, when we signed him, I thought we've signed him as a finisher and he doesn't do an awful lot else. Um, and when he's not finishing, he shouldn't be in the team kind of thing. You know, it seems a bit dismissive and, and maybe it is. And that's that's how I saw him. Uh, of late, the last probably the last three or four games, in fact, he has added some something different to the to the front, you know, well to our attacking play. And I think the key thing is he's working extremely well with Martin. Mm-hmm. Um, ah, there was a noise there, Albert. <coughs> yeah, sorry, I need to clear my throat there a little bit. Oh, um, all right, I thought you... I, it's probably a good chance for me to join in and say I'm not one to say I told you so, but I think for quite a few weeks prior to his little purple patch, I've been saying that he should be getting the nod over Murray. I don't know if anyone wants well, to... I'll have to go back and listen to the, the podcast. Let's hit, what I'm saying is, let's hear it from me. <laughs> yeah, well done, Albert, you were correct. I'm, Thank yeah. you very much. Cheers. <laughs> uh, for me, I think, obviously, a few weeks ago, I would have said Murray over Easter any time, and I think most other people would have done, but in the last couple of games, obviously I wasn't at Bristol City, but I've heard that he played well, and then when I saw the the starting lineup on on Saturday, I thought, you know, why why is Issa starting ahead of Murray? But he showed again why why that's been why that decision has been made, and I think it was definitely the right choice from Dougie Freeman because Easter's you know, in the last couple of games he's played really well. And when when Glenn Murray came on, um, like we had in that email earlier, he, he looked off the boil. He didn't look as though he was going to get into the game, as though he was going to do anything, you know, brilliant. So I think yeah, Easter has been playing fantastic the last couple of games, and we yeah. should keep giving him the chance to impress. Well, I, I mean, when Murray came off the bench up at uh, Bristol, he, he pretty much changed the game. I've just noticed we had a missed call there. Uh, you want to try again, caller, uh, whoever that was? It's probably um, Jermaine Easter ringing in to thank yeah, me for my... Yeah, uh, it probably was, yeah, yeah. <laughs> my or Glenn Murray. <laughs> yeah. yeah, Glenn Murray coming in for you, yeah. Um, no, I, I, Murray came off the bench and he changed that game. He hit up at Bristol in, in an attacking sense. He gave, he held up the ball well, as, as you know, when he's at his best, as he does. Um I think it's. Oh, I don't know. I kept. Saying, I've been saying for weeks. I think Easter and Murray together would be a good combination. That's what we ended the game with. Um, 
and it didn't really seem that way. So maybe, yeah, maybe I have to concede defeat there. But um, I don't know. I, I certainly think Martin has has played himself into a position where, you know, and again with Williams coming back uh, not too not too many weeks, um, he's, it looks like Martin will be keeping him out of the team as well if he carries on that way. As long as we keep winning, I don't really mind too much. But um, yeah, I, I just think I think Jermaine Easter has has changed from being. I know Dougie talks about him as as being a, you know a fantastic finisher, but he's not really getting in positions to strike the ball at the moment. Uh, but that you know that's been a worry when we've not been scoring goals. But for the last two games, um, other people have, have sort of stepped up. So yeah, but definitely definitely close for man of the match. And the other one I thought was very good was Jedinak. But Albert, before the show, we were talking about Jedinak, and you've uh, you've got something to say? I'm just I'm still not convinced. There, yeah, I've said it. <laughs> I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't have a go at him because yeah, yeah, no, no one, no one played badly yesterday, but it, there's yeah, there's something not quite right there for me. Um, anything in particular you can think of? Is it passing? Is it just general movement or? It's his, yeah, it's his movement's not particularly great, and I th- yeah, his passing can, he's he's either really good at passing, or it's diabolical. Um, mm. And his short passing seems to be worse than his long passing, which I find strange. Um, <laughs> but that's all I'll say. I don't, you know, I don't right. well, take I mean, the shine off a good victory. Yeah, no, that's fair enough. Um, on obviously, we've, we've talked earlier about the, the choice between people saying who should partner Jedinak. Should it be KG or Owen Garvin? Um, so obviously, the general consensus is that Jedinak's proved himself. But you know, it's, it's you've, you know you've made point. Okay, we've got uh, Jerry on the line. Let me just add him. Bear me a sec. Hi, Jerry. Who am I speaking to? It's Chris. Hi, it's Chris. Hi, Chris. Um, I was uh, going to make a contribution if I could. Um, just hope you're well and hope that your team's well and just say what a fantastic program. And I just. Um, I'm just going to make a contribution to some of the points you made if I was yeah, able absolutely. to. Yeah, go, go for it, mate. Well, I was saying to you is that um, you talk about the combinations up front. I think it's all very good. Um, but the reason why we've got to take players off like Chris Martin and that is because when other players come into the foe, like as on Saturday, Scannell and Murray, we've got to make sure that we've got, I know you know this yourself, but we've just got to probably have a six forwards competing competitively we've just got to find out what is the best combination and if that combination is the best combination it's not always going to be the best combination all the time it's not going to work all the time that's why i feel we need um a lot of um sort of like um flexibility i mean it, in in the perfect world you know i think i think Murray would be the best would be our number one striker but i think as you mentioned earlier in your show he hasn't been able to. Uh, well, he's he's had a problem with injury. I think he's been I think he's been carrying an injury for some time yeah, actually. Yeah. Um, but um, Jermaine Easter, what's good? Everybody's improving. The whole team's improving. My concern would be for um, it, my, my concern. Sorry for taking a breather. Would be uh, <laughs> the, the, the fans are talking about Wilfred Saar. He's just he just. Um, He's just too good for you, but the fact is, he's yeah. having a fantastic um, effect on the team because when people see him play, mm. the players around him are improving as well, and that's so central to the progress of the football club on the pitch. 
Yeah, it's a very good point, Jerry. Yeah, he's, uh, he's certainly he's, good his influences. Rabinov's Scannell's doing well, but one of the problems up front throughout the season, I feel, is that we haven't been consistent enough in mm. terms of playing a sustained attacking false. In terms of, um, I know we won four 0 yesterday, but I feel when you mentioned Dougie at the beginning of the program, Chris, I think with Dougie so protective and he loves club so much, he doesn't want us. I don't think he wants us to sit be rolled over too often. Mm. I think a player you haven't mentioned, um, I think a player you haven't mentioned, I think is probably one of the best players this season consistently. He's been as Gardner as well. Yeah. Um, he's, he's, and, and I think it's easy to overlook players like that because I think we take them for granted. But I know I've take, uh, spoken so much, Chris, but I just want to thank <laughs> you. Hope you're well. Hope your team's well. And you're doing a great job, Chris, you know. So I appreciate that it, but I think um, Sahar's influence for us for the next couple of years is going to be so pivotal because he's, I haven't seen a player at Palace in 40 years. He's improved so much. And if, he let, if, if he's not so effective on his first team passing, other aspects of his game coming together and being much more consistent, I think it can only be good, especially for our forward, but even our midfield. You know, we've got... It's, I, think, I think the future still... Bodes well, and I think people who make mm. comments about the club, not you know, uh, about Diggy Freeman being negative and why is he, it's because I think they want things too quickly. We what we don't want to do, we don't want to be a one, a one season wonder. We want sustained success, and that's why you need to have bring players and forward players in who may not be able to be consistent all the time, but who can, when they're not, or when they're scoring two goals, we've got to get people like Scannell on, because you've got to say, you're playing for your future in that team, and this is what you've got to do. Mm, absolutely, mate. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. Um, we, you know, you've got to have competition for places, like, like you were suggesting, but, but certainly, we, we've got... You know, people are impatient, they, they, but we are building something very, very special. I think at the moment. Um, and you're, you're right to point out Gardner as well. We haven't really given him much, much airtime, but he's definitely Chris isn't just an observation, Chris, because there's so many players that you need to talk about. He's just done fabulously well. I didn't think he could do as well as he has done, all well and good. But the thing is, from now and then, the season and for the next foreseeable future. We gotta make sure and ensure that you know all those players are kept on their toes. That you know, there's, there's, because this club for too many years had players that would would play even when they played badly because we had no other options. And I think what we need to do is make and I think it's what Dougie's sort of like instilling within the, the squad that you know, especially as a forward, because you notice, Chris, most of the games you've been, I've been to this year, mm. Dougie always takes forwards off anyway in the second half, whether it's ten minutes to go. 15 minutes to go, 20 minutes to go, he will always change the front two anyway because it's a physical, demanding game. Yeah. And, um, you know, it's horses for courses, excuse that expression, but that's why we need possibly, it always put two forwards on, I think, um, in any given game, whatever the score, whatever the, whatever the situation is, so he can tell players, especially the scorers, and I think that's quite a good thing. Psychologically, yeah. I think it's important to do that because... I think it's difficult to try to expect players to be, especially forwards, to be consistent all the time. And I think that, in a way, has, has uh, made it difficult for people like Murray to really have a real uh, score in the goals he has. But he's still one of our main top scorers, and he and he's different to what we what we've got. He's very different. That's um, it. Yeah. That's anyway, very good. Yeah. I'll say good blessing. Say hello to the boys for us. And no um, if you go to West Ham, have a safe journey there and a safe journey out of that place. Much appreciated. <laughs> <And>, uh, <laughs> I'll speak to you hopefully next week. I'll, I'll write to you, Chris, because I know I've, I've 
talk about taking your time off, and my apologies for that. You're right, right, welcome, mate. If you remember one thing from this phone call, Chris, you're doing a great job, right? Okay? Much appreciated. Cheers, Bye. 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 Take God care, now, mate. Cheers. Bye, now. Uh, actually, within within that, there's a lot of good good points Jerry's made there about the. I mean, it is a demanding role uh, the, the front man, and I think he's, he's it's a good observation that, that perhaps that's why the likes of Murray has have suffered. But one of the things he mentioned in there was that um, Dougie's affection for the club that that's why he um, you know he doesn't want to lose a game. Kind of reminds me of um, of what Peter Taylor was probably uh, crippled by when he was a manager here. Um, you guys were watching much when Peter Taylor was manager? Yeah, but I forgot a lot of it. <laughs> That's it. Yeah, yeah, shut down a bit. I wasn't, unfortunately. No. Um, you know, obviously, Peter Taylor was a was a Palace hero and, and quite rightly welcomed as one. Um, he seemed to be to paralysed by the fear that we were going to lose. I don't think it's um, the same for Dougie. I think he's just saw that the, the, the club in the state that it was in uh, when he got here, that the key thing was to work on the defence. At least that's what he's he's come out and said. But it's a, it's an interesting comparison. But I certainly feel a lot more comfortable with with the way we play under Dougie than I did with the way we played under Taylor. Um, I thought we certainly had a better squad um, uh, under Taylor. Anyway, but um, yeah, interesting stuff. Thanks for your for your call, Jerry. Um, okay, uh, where were we? <laughs> Were we at the end of, of um, reviewing yeah, Watford? Yeah, pretty much. West Ham preview. West Ham preview, you say? Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, first question to you, gentlemen. Um, do you want to see us line up the same? I suppose is the question. Yes, I think so. If we, you know, we've just won 4-0, why, why would you change it? Why not keep it the same? Well, Obviously, yeah, the opponents are a lot better. Mm-hmm. Um, but then, yeah, like I say, you've got, you've got players... Coming in back from injury, obviously Mox is one of those. Do we put him straight in, or do we do we keep it the same because we've just won four 0 I don't know what, what you guys think about that. I, I feel Moxie would have played um, in place of Parr. I think Parr has been a very good signing for us, but he looks like a player who's you know a season and a half into a season. Exactly. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, I think he would benefit from a little bit of time off, uh, or certainly a little bit of a um, little bit of time from the bench, if you like. Um, other other than that, I'm I'm a bit yeah. There you go. D- uh, Nick said that Mox Moxie was definitely going to play, but got this bug. So um, I I definitely think. I mean, uh, we 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 do change. Uh, we the only way you change a winning team is if is if you think that the um, that you've got a ch- better chance of getting a result with a different side. It's not, I, I I just don't think that. It's a it's a given that we won't change anything because we won four 0 I think we'll look at the game uh, against West Ham at, at Sellhurst. We'll look at what we learnt from that. Uh, there was a bit of a fallout from that actually. I want to talk to you guys about. Um, I don't even remember Dougie said after the game uh, he talked about how direct West Ham were, um, essentially calling them a long ball team in in some ways, and uh, and Big Sam got himself a little bit worked up by it. Um, they were pretty S- direct. <laughs> Sam Aladici. Sam Aladici, yeah, yeah. Future Real Madrid manager, Sam Aladice. But I, I don't know. I think that got riled. I don't know if we're going to see a um, a bit of a, a response there. But what they have done since since we played them is they've signed Ricardo Vaz-Tay and, and Nicky Maynard. Um, I don't know, I've probably signed more now than them, but, but Vaztay was the one who scored again seven seconds into our away game at Barnsley, so hopefully we avoid that. Maynard, just like, a bit worried there. Um, 
but I think there's certainly going to. I'm expecting a response to the to the sort of ill feeling. Um, and he, he did criticise Dougie and called him naive and all that sort of stuff. But what I'm hoping is the response comes from us. Um, Albert, how do you think we should approach that game tactically? I think the same as we've approached the last two games. Really, um, you know, they're, they're up there for a reason. Whether it's be, through being direct or not isn't really the issue. It's you know that they're they're a good team and that those signings they've made um, have only made them you know stronger. Uh, they also signed that Ravel Morrison from United, who mm. was held in quite high regard at United, but he was a bit of a prick by all accounts. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that wasn't that wasn't the official line. Is that not? <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> no. uh, yeah, we've we've got a we've got to approach it with caution. Like you know, they're they're up there for a reason, and we need to be careful. You know, it's not a game that I'd expect us to get anything out of, but I'm sure we'll give it a good go. But yeah, same lineup. I think it's it clicked at the weekend, so mm. why change? I think it's a fair po- point. Uh, Nick, you still about? I'm still here. Well, okay, still here. off you um, go. Now, now we're in mid-table mediocrity. I think it'll be a good chance for us to be a bit adventurous. And you know, they didn't look better than us when we played played them drew two two. And our back four's a bit more organised now. Um, I think we can we can get a result over there. And if well, we go there without looking to get any other than the result, then you know hmm. we're doing the wrong thing. I think it's a good well, test for us. They've. Um... They've they've been pretty strong at Upton Park, to be honest. Uh, Upton Park, a bowling ground, whatever you want to call it. They've been strong there, um, but but they not not too many weeks ago they managed to lose five one to Ipswich. Now we you know we took Ipswich apart pretty much, only one nil, but but you know really made them look a very ordinary side. Um, so in some ways, I think that's shown the sort of level of, the level of inconsistency that West Ham have suffered slightly, and they're still at the top of the league. So I don't really know what to make of that, but it shows that there's there are frailties there to be exploited. Uh, and I think that's, often, um, the championship, yeah. though, Chris, it's always been like that, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, um, I think Millwall Millwall only lost out to them due to a terrible refereeing decision. There was a horrible foul on the goalkeeper that shouldn't have been allowed, and you know Millwall were very close to. I mean that was at the den, but um, you know, if yeah, Mill I mean, can push yeah. them close, then I'd like to think we can. Exactly, Mill were at the den are one of the worst teams that I've I've experienced this season. Um, they were, you know, they were absolutely awful. So I mean, there's there's certainly, although it's again like you say, perhaps in some ways it would be a surprise to get anything out of the match. I certainly think that there are signs there that there's there are ways through them if you like there's you know there's a way of getting a result up there i'm i'm personally i think it's a real shame that we've we've got to play this game after you know winning 4-0 against Watford i kind of would have liked that rearranged doncaster game or something like that before then try and build up a bit of momentum a bit of pace and and just see what happens really because i think i think we're definitely going to have to go to west ham and play the the sort of the kg when I say KG, I don't mean Dickajoy. The <laughs> KG, C-A-G-E-Y, um, sort of the game that we played up at uh, Old Trafford, that type of stuff. Um, because I, I just think when you, you look at the money that they've spent and the squad that they've got, I mean, Kevin Nolan, Carlton Cole, uh, Faubert, I thought had a really good game against us. So, yeah, I think that's his name, Julian Faubert. But, they, um, you know, they're, they're a very, very strong squad let alone strong team, I think off their bench would be first teamers for us. So, a bit difficult one. Can I get some predictions? David Bentley. David Bentley. Is he still actually there? 
It's the 90th minute. All your mates around. You've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.